You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Amateur Hour, of course, a celebration of our continual growth and development with the Lord. We're always growing in the kingdom of God and we're always celebrating that we're just a bunch of amateurs. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard. I'm here with Brian Villers. He's going to be our interview for Amateur Hour in just a short minute. But before we do, I want to welcome everyone on the live stream as well. We know there are many of you who are tuning in with us every Sunday, and we are so thankful that you are here. Uh, Be willing to introduce yourself in the chat if you are able and Be uh, prepared to respond for prayer ministry and worship at the end of this service as well. I also want to remind you that next Sunday is a baptism Sunday. If you have made a personal decision to follow Christ, if you've made him the Lord and Savior of your life, Scripture teaches us that baptism is your next step, and we would love to celebrate that with you. We have three or four people getting baptized already. We would love uh, if you've made that personal decision again to join us in that baptism Sunday. You know, the, the thing is, the church has been doing water baptisms and practicing water baptisms for over 2,000 years. So not only is water baptism a special moment for you, but it's also a special moment where you are introduced to the entire body of Christ that, comes, that came before you and will come after you. If you want to get baptized, we need you to sign up online. You can do that at votrweekly.org, and we would encourage you to invite family and friends and make it a celebration because it'll be a very, very special Sunday together. Okay, well, Brian is here. He's our amateur hour interview uh, today. We've been doing this in every sermon. We've been talking with someone from the church in leadership about what ways they've tried to follow God and completely failed. And then we've laughed at them, and we've told them that they're amateurs, in a loving kind of way, of course, in a loving kind of way. And Brian and I go way back, so I know that he'll be able to handle this, but he's going to help introduce our topic today, becoming an amateur worshiper. Being an amateur worshiper. You know, Scripture, throughout the pages, it's filled with this call and this invitation for us to worship God, to lift our eyes, to lift our voices even in unity to worship God. So Brian is here to tell us a little bit about your story. First, introduce yourself and then tell us how you are such an amateur worshiper. So uh, my name is Brian Villers. I am the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery here at Vineyard of the Rockies. We meet on Monday evenings at 6.30 right back by that cross and We just deal with hurts, habits, and hang-ups that people might want to work through through various ways. And so if you have hurts, habits, or hang-ups, you're welcome. So come any any Monday evening. We don't have a sign-up or anything like that. Brian, you're now officially the first interview that's given their own plug for their ministry (laughs) department, which I love, man. I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah, so Jeff and I have been uh, meeting together for a long time. I didn't tell him I was going to do this part, but for over four years, this guy... Quick, mute it. Quick, mute it. This guy, (laughs) your your pastor, um, I want to tell you a little bit about Jeff. Uh, He meets with so many people outside of Sunday mornings and does so much that you guys don't know about. And for over four years, um, he's met with me once a month, every month for hours, discerning my calling talking about things I'm going through, 
gosh, I can't get emotion at the beginning of this, but when I went through a family tragedy uh, emergency, um, everybody was great to me, but the one guy that called me every day uh, was Jeff. So this guy's got a big heart, and um, he's a lot more than you guys see on Sunday mornings. So, um, so uh, anyways, as a young Christian, I got saved. I, never went to, I had never gone to church at all by the time I was 16, 17 years old. And I got into church, and I had long hair, and I was the, the kid in youth group that had gotten Wait, off drugs. Wait, you have long hair now? Like, yeah, what you, what it, was, it was down to here, you okay. know, like, really long. Just and, for clarity's uh, sake. So I played Jesus in all the skits, and they made me immediately the, uh, the leader of the drama team, which I've learned is a really bad idea to take a brand new Christian and put him into leadership. Jeff's taught me that. And so, um, and so when I'm leading this drama team, I just wanted to have worship. And I've been playing music guitar for a long time, so I thought, how hard can it be right. to lead some worship? And so I had about seven or eight people in front of me, and I started spelting out this song, and it was off rhythm, and it was just not matching up, and, and it went horribly, like really, really terrible. <laughs> Nobody could sing along with me. Everybody was at a different spot on the song. And afterwards, a, a really sweet Christian teen came up to me, and she goes, it wasn't that bad. I just think you were singing in a different key than we were. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, well, that's, to really encourage that's a nice you know? way to put yeah. it. Um, so you fast forward through the years, and, and I had joined a heavy metal band, that I was in for about 15 or 20 years. Still hair down? To down to here, yeah. Your, your you know, and we sang, uh, the vocals I did for that band kind of sounded like an angry cookie monster, you know? Like, um, so if you can imagine Cookie Monster. you still have any monster, angry cookie monster left in you? you I could... don't want to scare the kids from Cookie Monster, but uh, okay. yeah. Anyways, we'll do that another day. Um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I had sang in this style for so long, and I eventually came back to church. I had left church for a while. Uh, just kind of searching things out, figuring out how I feel about this thing that Jesus had done to me and kind of went down a rocky path for a while. And I came back and I started working with the youth here at uh, Vineyard. And um, we decided to have a worship night. And once again, my phrase is, how hard can it be, right? How hard can it be to have a worship night? And so I worked with a vocal coach and I listened to K-Love and I listened to all these worship things and I sang along. All the, all the credible sources. And, and I worked really hard on this and and we got up and we did the worship night, you know, and, and I got down and I thought it was just this anointed, emotional night. And uh, Matt, the worship leader here, and a guy named Jeff Coles, who's worship, or is a leader at uh, Vineyard in Windsor, both came up to me and they're all, dude, that was the most metal worship I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was trying to sing clean tone, you know? So yeah. like... It's um, just in you, man. The cookie monster, the angry <laughs> cookie monster is just in you. It can't help but come out. We got to get that angry cookie monster yeah. out. So... Um, so basically, I mean, through all that, I, I still lead worship every once in a while at CR and things like that. But I realized, even if I'm never supposed to be a professional worship leader, I, I love it. I love doing it, and I fail at it miserably, but I just keep singing to God. And as I was thinking about this before, I just thought about how when we hear our kids sing, we don't look at them and go, you're out of key, you're off rhythm, you know. And our Father, I think, when we sing to Him, He just gets this joy, and it doesn't matter how we sing, so... Yeah. I love yeah. it. So I, I like to think about it like the Holy Spirit auto-tuner. I lift my voice. It's horrible. And he just, the Holy Spirit just helps it sound great before it goes the before the throne. So. Yeah. All right, Brian, thank you so much. Join Thanks. with me as we point and lovingly tease Brian by saying, Brian, you are such an amateur. And we love you, man. Oh, so good. So good. So good. Throughout Scripture... 
When you open the Word of God, when you begin to study the Scriptures, time and time again, you hear this call to worship the Lord. You hear this call to lift your voice before the throne and to praise the Lord with all that you have. Our Scripture for today is Psalm 96. Goli Babazadeh already read it for us this morning, but I want to read it again. Psalm 96, verses 1 through nine. This is how it starts. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. This is Psalm 96. And this is our calling. One simple point today, a point that we'll look at from a few different angles, but one simple point. Worship isn't about you. It's not about your feelings or your skill. It's all about God. And I say it with a smile so that you know that I'm not angry or my tone is uplifted, but I'll tell you again because I love you, worship is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not even about how well we play the music and how loud we sing. It is 100% about God. If you think back to Psalm 96, I'll just repeat some of the phrases and hear how much of the language is totally dependent and totally directed to God. It starts by saying, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Every day proclaim his good news that he saves. Tell everyone about the amazing things he has done, that he is great, that he is worthy, that he made the heavens, that strength and glory fill his sanctuary. Bring your offering to him, which is, by the way, why we always say generosity is part of our worship to God. And it closes out by saying, worship the Lord in all of his splendor. Worship the Lord in all of his splendor. Worship is undoubtedly and unequivocally all about him. It's all about him. Stephen Hawthorne, who is a great leader in Christian missions and one of the editors of a very influential class called Perspectives, kind of gave this funny example about how we as Christians navigate worship and our our own heart's response to this call to worship. He started by comparing humanity to dogs and cats. And so I'm going to compare us all to dogs and cats. I'm just giving you a forewarning this morning. You might have heard the first part of the phrase before. He said, dogs say, you feed me, you care for me, you walk me, you play with me, you must be God. But cats say, you feed me, you pet me, you clean up my litter box, I must be God. 
This is the part that some of us have heard. But Stephen, like any good preacher, is angling this for his own benefit. He said, wanting to show our realities in worship, he continued by saying, the problem for us is that the Bible was written by dogs, but it's read by cats. It was written by dogs, but it's read by cats. It was inspired by God, and, and man wrote it out, but, but it was written again by dogs who understand that God is God, that he is worthy of our praise, and that we are not God. But it's read by a bunch of 21st century cats who somehow, someway, we, we love to put ourselves in the center of all of these stories. You know, one of my favorite examples of how this happens is from the famous story of David and Goliath. It's a famous story from the Old Testament when a little shepherd boy defeats this giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. This is a story that we tell our children time and time again. It's a great story. And you know it's very popular when even VeggieTales has done a remake of it, right? But what happens most of the time when we read this story about David and Goliath, what happens for most of us is that David becomes the center of the story. That David becomes the hero of the story. And then we all want to be like David. We all want to look at the giants in our life and we want to grab that sling and that stone and we want to slay the giants that stand before us. We want to conquer the obstacles that keep us from growing with the Lord and, and moving forward in our life with Christ. And of course, there's nothing wrong with being inspired by the people of the Bible. We need to be inspired by the humans who closely follow God, and we can learn a lot from their life and their decisions. But when David becomes the hero of the story, it's also easy for us to make ourselves the hero of our own stories. But of course, David's not the hero of the story of David and Goliath, and we're not the hero of our own story. God is the hero of David's story, and God is the hero of our story. We can never forget that, yes, David had courage and he was following the Lord, but it was the creator of the universe that was the hero of this story. And David understood this, by the way. David knew this from the very beginning. Look at 1 Samuel 17, where David begins to explain to everyone what is about to happen. See, because he was a shepherd boy in the fields and he had been attacked by lions and bears most of his life and he had defended his sheep by faith and putting his faith in the rescuer, the Lord himself. This is what David said in 1 Samuel 17. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, it's the, it's the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's deliverance. It's the rescuing nature of God. He is at the center of David's story, and he is at the center of our own stories. I'm not saying we don't get to play a part, even our own church's mission statement, joining God's mission, transforming all things, implies that we have a part to play. It implies that we are following God, but we can never forget that it's his mission, it's his plan, it's his journey. All we're doing is looking to see what he is doing and we're following as he moves. We must consistently fix our eyes, our hearts, and our entire lives on the one who saves, the one who rescues, and the one who is filled with with majesty. And the nice thing is for many of us in this room is that when worship is all about him, when worship is all about God, our preferences change. When worship is all about him, our preferences begin to change. If it's really about him, then it doesn't matter what songs we sing. It doesn't matter if your favorite worship leader is on stage or not. 
It doesn't matter if we sang the chorus three times or if we sang it out of order or if Matt accidentally breaks a string on his guitar or the words are misspelled on the screen behind us. Those things, I mean, we want to do a good job on those things, but only because we want to do a good job for the Lord, not just so that we can feel good about our performance. See, when worship is all about him, our preferences, they begin to change. Rich Nathan, who's a, who's a mentor of mine, a, a vineyard pastor in the state of Ohio, he shares this funny story about how after a service one time, a, a, a sweet lady came up to him and said, you know, Rich, that was a great service. That was a really great service. I didn't like the songs so much, but it was a really great service. And Rich, who was a lawyer before he was a pastor, didn't skip a beat. He just looked this lady in the eye and he said, you know what? I'm happy to hear that, but I should tell you, we weren't actually singing those songs for you. We were actually singing those songs for God. I just want to make sure like we're all on the same page. Now, I might not have enough guts to tell you that to your face, but I do, <laughs> I do have enough guts to quote the guy who said it to someone else and then just deliver it to you like it was my own little subtle story. And I want to take, just as we're exploring worship together, I do want to take a moment and speak, speak briefly just to the people who are maybe new to the faith. Or maybe you're, you're here and you're, you don't follow Jesus at all, or, or like you're new to the church thing, or new to Christianity, whatever it is. Maybe you're exploring the vineyard for the very first time. And I, I, just, want to, I just want to just say, like, I understand that worship can feel a little weird. I understand that if you're new to faith, if you're new to Christianity, or if you're exploring the church world, that worship can seem a little bit odd. Right? I mean, I thought it was odd for many, many years. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up worshiping God. And so the first time I entered into the church world, it was so strange to me. It was so strange to me. I, I walked into a church, and, and a lot like this church, I saw a stage. And on the stage, there was a, a band leader, and he had band members, and they were playing music. But this really weird thing happened. They wanted me to sing out loud with them. I was used to concerts where I paid someone and they would sing at me like a performance. But this was like a weird Christian sing-along. And they, they wanted me to do their job. It was like the worst version of karaoke. I had been to karaoke before. This was nothing like the karaoke I had been to before. And I, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around what it was we were doing. I, at the time, I didn't understand how important worship was to my life. I didn't understand how God had created me for worship. That part of the original design of the human heart was designed to behold and to worship glory. All I knew is that I felt insecure in a room of people with hands lifted in surrender before the Lord, with voices shouting and singing out. But I will say that things have changed for me over the years. Now I know the value of worship. Now I'm more acquainted with the majesty of God. And I'm also, I've also come to realize, here's something to think about, that, that if I don't worship him, I will worship something. Because he had created our hearts to worship and to behold glory. G.K. Chesterton, who, who's a great Catholic writer, once said, when we cease to worship God, we do not worship nothing. We worship anything. When we cease to worship God, it's not that we don't worship anything. We'll worship anything around us. God created our hearts to worship. And ideally, we direct that worship to the creator of all things. But if we don't worship him, we'll worship anything within grasp. We'll worship our family, our jobs, our money, our free time, our fun. And then the next thing you know is we'll take our time, our money, our energy, and we'll sacrifice them on the altar of all of those things that we want to behold 
It's very, very similar to the act of worship when we gather in this space. But Psalm 96 is saying, don't focus on the creature. Don't focus on the created. Focus on him. Focus on the creator of all things. Never stop worshiping God. It's a point that God makes in Scripture time and time again, and it's the main point for us today, that worship isn't about you. It's not about your feelings or your skill. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. And let's just take a, a quick peek at that middle part there where it says it's not about your feelings. Because I do want to clarify, feelings do matter. God created you with feelings, and when they're redeemed, they're a beautiful thing. I don't mean feelings are unimportant when I say that. I mean that feelings shouldn't dictate your worship. You see, right now we live in a culture where feelings can be elevated to the Lord of our life, and we have to remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our feelings are not. If you look at Psalm 96, verse 1 and 2 again, let me just read it one more time. It starts by saying, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. It, it, it doesn't say sing when you feel like it. Or, or it doesn't say sing when you're happy or sing when you're sad. It simply says to sing. And actually, we don't always think about it this way, but when you look according to the scripture, it's a command from God to us to lift our voices in praise. In the original language, if you dig into these words, you see that all of these verbs are imperatives. They're all commands. Sing. It's commanding us to sing, to lift our voice, to praise God as we gather together. Singing, see, it does so many amazing things, but one of the things it does is it, it shifts our focus off of self and it fixes our focus onto the Lord. But we don't always feel like singing. I don't always feel like singing. Sometimes I'll say things like, I don't feel like worship today. Or I've talked with some in this church, like, I don't feel like going in for worship this morning. Maybe I'll go in for the message. I feel like going in for the message, but I don't feel like singing the song. Or, or maybe I, I feel maybe more strategic about getting that extra cup of coffee and using the restroom at the right kind of time so I don't have to be in there for the music. Because that's strange and I don't quite understand it. But we have to hear these words from the Bible speaking to us. It says, sing, let the whole earth sing. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. The author simply isn't commanding you to sing based on how you feel. What he's doing is he's commanding you to sing based on your will, based on your convictions. And we all love it when we feel great, right? I mean, I would rather feel great than feel lousy. And, and I love it when we gather and I, and I experience the presence of God and I feel the Lord's love over me when I'm singing with all of you. But the truth is sometimes I have to exercise my will and my convictions, not just my feelings, in order for me to lift my voice to God. And the psalmist is saying there is something even more important that will elicit worship. And it's just this response out of will and conviction to who God is, what he's done, and what he will continue to do in your life. You know, if we think about this, we think about Psalm 96, even if you think about like pulling in Stephen Hawthorne again, right? Basically, the modern translation is stop being a bunch of cats. We got to stop being a bunch of cats. We got to be dogs. We got to be dog-like. We got to worship the Lord because he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all the glory that we can give. At the Vineyard, we have two worship sets. 
one before the message, and one after. And there are at least two reasons why I want to encourage you not to skimp out on the opening set. And the second one is way more important than the first one. I'll just let you know ahead of time. The first reason is because, as you can tell, it's getting a little bit harder to find a seat in here. And so by coming just a little bit earlier, you can sit wherever you would like, and then you have your spot. I will say there are always spots over here by Natalie and I. (laughs) Something about my personality or my smell. I'm not sure which one yet. But there are always spots open by us. More importantly, and this is true, I think, for most of us, is that when we gather for church, this is the only corporate worship that we get to experience all week. It's great to worship every day. It's great to worship on your own. It's great to worship in your car. It's great to worship in different ways besides song. I believe in all of those things. That's a sermon for another day, though, because Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord. Sing and offer your praise to the Lord. And for most of us, we only have one time a week where we get to gather and sing together. And it's for 20 minutes before the sermon and about 15 minutes after the sermon. And this is so important because it's the space that we get to share together as we sing together in unity, as we lift our voice as one before God, worshiping the one who's making all things new. Again, I love it when I feel like worshiping. And I love it when singing lifts lifts my heart and eases my anxiety and relieves my stress, but even more than feelings, it's our convictions and our will that leads us into the place of worship. Worship's not about us. It's, it's not about our feelings. And the final little part of that thesis, so to speak, for today is that worship is also not about your skill. It's all about him. And can we just have a collective amen that it's not about your skill? Amen. Because seriously, I've been to churches where the preaching pastor has to be the singing pastor, and that would not work for us. I'm just letting you, like, I would grow that church to 10 people real fast, and they would all share the same last name, Faust. Like, it would not be, my mom would still tune online. God bless you, mom. Thank you for being online with us. But we'd shrink that church to my immediate family quicker than you can imagine if the preaching pastor had to be the singing pastor. Thankfully, Psalm 96 doesn't say, sing, to the, sing a new song to the Lord if you can keep a tune. It doesn't say worship God and give him praise if you know how to play an instrument. Like Brian from earlier, right? Like even if your version is as metal as it gets and you have some angry cookie monster voice that sometimes comes out in worship, just sit in the front row. No one can hear you then. And an angry cookie monster can come out as much as you want. Listen, if all those things are true about you, you still qualify as an amateur worshiper. You still qualify. And not only are you an amateur worshiper, but I bet most of you don't realize you're also amateur worship leaders. Even if you're never on stage, you're still an amateur worship leader. It's not where our focus should be, right? Like our focus should be on the Lord. We've already talked about that. But by you coming and you lifting your voice and and maybe lifting your hands and just total surrender to the Lord, what's happening is, is you're creating space for others who are maybe like I was a few years back, just kind of insecure about how to do this worship thing and how to engage in church with God. You're creating space for other people to find their way. Your voices might be loud enough that they feel comfortable to finally lift their voice to God. And you create an atmosphere of worship in our church, and you make space for others to follow. These are some of the things that happen every single Sunday when we gather together. We worship. We ascribe the majesty and glory to God that is due to his name. It happens every Sunday, but also I have a special invitation for you. 
something that will be happening later tonight in our building, just right next door, out those doors and into the next building. And I would love for you to consider coming to this. It's going to be a night of worship in the form of a worship circle. Instead of rows, it's going to be a worship circle, probably a couple circles. We have a worship night. Every couple months, we host an event like this. And I'm going to tell you, Matt and his entire team, they're so good at creating nights like this. They do such a good job of creating an atmosphere of, of extended worship, worship where you can even participate yourself. And so the worship circle format, it's perfect for amateurs or experts, all of the same. Matt will print out um, chords so you can play along. We would encourage you to bring an instrument if you have one. Maybe not the cowbell, like we don't need more cowbell, but you can bring an instrument of your choosing. Childcare is actually provided. Just give us a heads up beforehand so we have the right amount of help. And, I, and it starts at 6.30. It probably lasts just shortly over an hour. And this is an opportunity for you to ex experience an extended amount of worship where you can lift your voice and have others sing over you as well. This could be exactly what your heart needs today. So consider joining us for that worship circle tonight. I'm going to close with a quick story. A quick story about the very first vineyard church I ever walked into. It's 14 years ago, about 14 years ago, Natalie and I were just married. We were living in Kansas City at the time, and we were looking for a church family where we could belong. We were doing all the church shopping things. I think this was like, the vineyard church was like the third church we had been to in a couple of weeks, right? And we were just looking, and we were praying, God, where are you leading us? What kind of church family do you want us to belong to? And the very first vineyard church we walked into, I'll never forget the amount of people who were singing. It was the first thing that I noticed. I, I never, I'll never forget how many hands were lifted in praise and worship to God. It was, it was so loud that we could hardly hear the stage. The church was louder than the stage. And I specifically remember how many men were worshiping God. And, and maybe I noticed it more than Natalie because I'm a guy and I was looking at other guys maybe I could become friends with. I, I, I don't know why I noticed it so much, but I noticed how many men were lifting their voice, how many men were worshiping God. And I remember thinking I could be part of a church family like this, a church family that, that unashamedly will worship the creator of all things. They were caught up in the glory and the splendor and the beauty of God, and it was who I wanted to be a part of. And I, I think about our church, I think about that experience, and I just gotta say, that, that's who we wanna be, right? I know it's who we wanna be, it's who we are. We wanna sing with each other, but we wanna sing in response to God. Again, for all that he has done, all that he is doing, all that he will do. For 30 minutes a week, we get to gather and we get to shift all of our focus off of ourselves, And we get to lift it and place it upon him. We get to make sure that we're not the center of every story that we write, that he is writing our story, and that we trust him and his goodness for the way he's writing the story of our own life. I mean, I know I want to be that kind of person, and we want to be the kind of church that takes Psalm 96 and puts it into practice, lifting our voices, singing a new song, and praising his holy name because worship, honestly, Worship is always better when the church is louder than the stage. It's always better when the church is louder than the stage. So let's commit to being that kind of person ourselves. And as we gather, let's commit to being that kind of church together. Let's pray.